This is the MongoDB Podcast. Welcome to the show. My name is Shane McAllister, and we're glad to have you join us for another episode. This episode is the second podcast in our live recordings from MongoDB.local London. Not familiar with MongoDB.local events? Well, a .local is an in-person, single-day event filled with announcement-packed keynote talks, educational breakout sessions, customer stories and presentations, along with free Ask the Experts, consulting sessions, networking opportunities, and much, much more. We will be touring these .local events again in 2023, so do keep an eye out on the MongoDB website and socials for more details of these to come. At this .local in London, I had some key MongoDB personnel join me as my guest on the podcast. This is the second episode, and here I've not one, but two guests, Jer Hartnett and Peter Fitch. We'll start with Jer, who had just delivered his 12 Patterns for Tuning MongoDB Performance and Scalability talk, and in our conversation, we unfortunately didn't have time to go into all 12, so we had to pick out just two to concentrate on, indexing and hunting bottlenecks. He also talks about how customers scale and also goes briefly into the engineering behind building MongoDB the platform. Let's hear more from my conversation with Jer. Hi there, uh, my name is Jer Hartnett. I'm the lead engineer for product performance at MongoDB. So we've got a distributed team based in both Europe and North America. And uh, we work on making the performance of MongoDB better, stopping it from getting worse. And, uh, <laughs> which is crucial, right? <laughs> which is crucial, yeah, exactly. Well, when you've got many commits per day, you know, from, from a lot of different teams, you know, a change in one part of the product can make something else slower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we have a, a system in place that basically runs performance benchmarks over and over nightly okay. And, okay. and we basically want to try to find performance regressions as quickly as possible after a code commit goes in. And do you have a dashboard for that or alerts for that? Yeah, there's a, there's a whole system that, that's basically looking for changes in performance and then that those get kind of raised and human beings look at those and check them okay. and try to figure out which code commit caused the performance regression. That's but super that's interesting because in, in developer advocacy, we spend our time trying to build things with MongoDB. Yeah. And my head is never really in the space of building MongoDB. So obviously that's a you know a humongous task all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, because we've got a big engineering team, a lot of really smart people, and they're working on features. But it's a complex system, Shane. There's many components to the server itself. If you just look at the server, and they can kind of interact in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. And so you can make a change in one place, and it can have a huge knock-on effect somewhere else that's not anticipated. And I know we went to essentially quarterly releases a while back, but obviously your team is not working in quarterly releases. You're working on all these implemental, incremental changes all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there could be, I don't know the exact number, but there there could be one commit a day on the weekends and there could be 15, 20 commits a day during the week, you know, so, and and those could be really small changes or they could Mm -hmm. be huge changes. So... 
it's, it's really interesting, but that's only part of what we do. That's the make sure things don't get worse. But we also focus on trying to make things better as well at the same time. Okay. You know? So in that regard, what's, what's the biggest challenge currently? I know obviously it's going to change in the landscape of the future, but currently what's the biggest challenge for making it be better? Well, one of them, the one that kind of springs to mind, is the the profiling technologies. There's a lot of different ones. Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a lot of different ways to profile the performance, and different technologies have different advantages and disadvantages. They have a bigger impact on the the system under test okay. that you might be benchmarking. So, you know, I, I think that knowledge and and knowing when to use the right technology and and getting that knowledge kind of evenly distributed around the whole engineering organization. That's one of the big challenges. And speaking of performance and scalability, that was the topic of your talk here today yes. at MongoDB.local London. Yeah, yeah. So we basically, um, we've put together, currently there's 12 of them, 12 patterns for performance like and the scalability. Apostles. Like the apostles, exactly. nice good number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So there's 12 right now, but there's 12 main ones. Um, there's probably going to, and talking to some of the attendees here today, they they had other suggestions and things that okay, work for so them additions, as well. Additions. So it, it'll be more than 12 in the long term. Um, but these are kind of best practices for how to either scale an application or choose tune the performance. And like tuning performance, it's not just about making things faster, but it's, it's it can also be about reducing costs. So, you know, our, our scaling in more scalable way. So, you know, I guess this talk kind of came out of uh, an experience um, we had just be in, in March 2020, actually. I think everyone knows where they were in March 2020. we'll all remember that. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a startup company in a, in a northern European country and they were in the educational space and they were a tiny company and they had built their initial minimal viable product okay, on I see where this is going and all of a sudden? Yeah, and all of a sudden they were about to be on the national TV news of their country um, the following day. So this was Friday night we heard from them. They were in a bit of a panic. I can imagine. Um, they had a small data set at the time and they were about to be on national television at 6 p.m. the following day. So they had a replica set, they had a small amount of data, some test users, mm -hmm. and they had to prepare for the deluge that was going to happen the following day. Yeah, as soon as all learning moved online, right? Yes, exactly. So, um, so, so, so that was really interesting because they needed to scale really quickly. Mm -hmm. And what we see with a lot of customers is something will have a runaway success. And if they haven't thought about it in advance, it can really slow down their rate of growth, either because they need to scale up their hardware vertically, whether they're on-prem or, or in Atlas. And that can, you know, those costs can go up faster than the user base if you don't design things right. You know, we had another customer a few years ago who was, you know, about to do a Super Bowl ad. Large you know, audience. Large, large audience. They had eight shards and they, you know, two weeks before the Super Bowl, they added five shards. And the nature of sharding means data needs to move around to be balanced across the shards. So you add five shards, you actually add a lot of load to your existing system because it's trying to move things around. So you really have to think in advance, otherwise it can really 
slow the growth of your business. So it's a very deeply technical area, but it has a real impact on. Well, it is, I mean, every company hopes for success, but then do they have the infrastructure there that exactly. when they see a thousand users or 10,000 users, a hundred thousand users get added or when they become a unicorn. I, I, yeah. I remember back in the day, Twitter, for example, used yeah. to fail, yeah. and they had the notorious fail, fail whale, whale, yeah, right, and and it just and maybe that was maybe they have it today as well. Yeah, well, they <laughs> might get it back, right? yeah. but we won't go there. Yeah, um, but basically, back in their day, that was a physical server required yeah. somewhere that they just didn't have up and running just yet, and yeah. we we've we've seen that that's become less and less. But obviously, you need to plan for this, so. The patterns that you have, I know you did a workshop at MongoDB World back in New York yes. in June. Yeah. But that was a four-hour workshop. Yeah. How did you manage to do a 30-minute presentation on roughly the same topic? So, so luckily, at, at Lon in London last year, we did maybe an hour and 15 minutes okay. version. Um, and then we decided, oh, you know, at World, it'll be no problem. You know, we've got... You know, loads of material, we have plenty of time for questions. Mm -hmm. We ran out of time at four hours. So it's like, oh my <laughs> That's God. It's a good complaint, it's a good complaint. And, and then, I, then, you know, we heard that, you know, all the sessions were 30 minutes here. So we wanted to try and fit it back into 30 minutes. So what we actually did was, uh, we did a like a one minute kind of version of each pattern. Okay, and, okay. And then we let the audience vote. So we put a QR code uh -huh. up with a Google form. Um, there was a lot of people in the room. I, I'm just look up the, the, the number of respondents. There were 140 respondents. I didn't even know there was that many people in, in the, the room. room at the time. Yeah. yeah so there was brilliant. so so basically everyone voted for their top three, and then we basically covered the top three of the the, the whole crowd. Okay. Well, I know that we've got plans to take yourself, Chair, and your colleague onto a longer version of the podcast. Yeah. But if you've got the top three, what are the top three that were voted for? And they were obviously the ones you went into detail today. Yeah, so so basically, as, as you said earlier, there's, there's 12, 12 patterns for performance and scalability. The top one was design the schema. So, so that was, yeah, by far the top one. And then index sparingly was the second highest one. And after that, it was hunt bottlenecks. So those uh, those were the three, and then there's a, a lot grouped after that. Okay, I know we had a conversation with one of our other colleagues here earlier about designing your schemas, etc. So, talk to me about indexing and the hunting bottlenecks then. Okay, okay. So I guess what what we see with a lot of customers is there's a trade-off, right? Indexes are great for queries or for most queries, not all queries. So there can be some surprising things with indexes from a performance point of view. But the more indexes you have, the more it impacts your write workloads. So, and the, the impacts can be quite surprising. And it's the nature of indexes, it's the nature of databases. So, you know, MongoDB has certain impacts for specific kinds of indexes, but other databases have these kinds of penalties as well for each index that you add. In, in the MongoDB case, it can range. So if you've got, a, let's say, an, in, an insert heavy workload. Okay. What would that be? Would that be like a, a, an IoT device, for example? Yeah, IoT devices are maybe there's some kind of import job that runs at 2 a.m. in sure. the morning, and it's bringing a lot of 
data over from an old mainframe, a legacy mainframe system or something like that. If it was a trading application of some kind, it could be like the end of day processing after the markets close, that kind of thing. So those insert heavy workloads, or you could be doing a data ingestion or something like that as well. Those can be significantly impacted by each index you add. Depending on the type of index and the kind of the nature of the data index, it could be anywhere from a 5% impact to a 75% impact. And I think sometimes users of MongoDB add way more indexes than they actually need. I can imagine, but we also have automatic indexing now, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and, and in Atlas, the performance advisor is really yes. good. It'll make recommendations for indexes both to add and to drop. based. And, and that's the thing. Applications are changing. The amount of data in your database is changing. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a built-in entropy almost, mm-hmm. and it's something to be, to be managed. So Atlas provides a lot of extra tools to kind of to guide you of and get you to think, of it. Okay. Yeah, to think okay. about it. And talk to me then about hunting bugs, the third one. Hunting bottlenecks. Hunting yeah. bottlenecks, excuse me. Yeah, so the, so the thing is, like, I guess when you, when you look at an overall application, you know, usually there's a, there's a user interface, mm-hmm. there may be a, a, an API to application servers. Those application servers then may use a framework like uh, Rails or Spring or something like that, depending on your programming language. That in turn will use a MongoDB device driver, and then that uses a MongoDB database. And then inside the MongoDB database, again, there's a number of components that are all interacting. And then when you look at an individual server, there's a number of components in the operating system. Maybe you've got tiers a virtual tiers, machine. Yes. Yeah, so there's, there's, it's turtles all the way down. There's yeah. components interacting all the way down. And, and the, the kind of thing about that is, you know, if you think in systems, what ha- often happens is a change that you make in one place, it's like the developers we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. a change you make in one place can have an unexpected consequence somewhere else. And it's the same with a running system. So there's always a, a bottleneck somewhere. There's always a limiting factor. So there's something in the system mm-hmm. is the current limiting factor for your performance. So say you care about doing 25,000 of a particular kind of query per second. Mm-hmm. Something, something is limiting you to 25,000. Sure. And, and maybe your goal is 25,000 and you're only doing 15,000 and this is the type of hardware that you can afford. Yes. Yes. So you want to raise that up to 25,000. So you've got to figure out where that bottleneck is. Okay. So. There's lots of different places that can be a bottleneck in the software system. And do we have to try and help you identify those yeah. bottlenecks? Yeah, again, the performance advisor we mentioned there. earlier, um, looking in the log files um, for slow mm-hmm. queries. Um, there would be, depending on whether you're running your, you know, in your own servers or on Atlas, if you're running on your own servers, there will be tools for looking at disk utilization on your servers. We take care of a lot of that for you on Atlas. So the, the great thing about Atlas is, while there are a lot of bottlenecks you need to worry about, worry about half of them on Atlas mm-hmm. you know, as a proportion. So there's a lot less to worry about. You know, Atlas takes care of a lot of those for you. Well, that's the thing. We're trying to make it the developer data platform and yeah. do a lot of that stuff that you 
as a developer, don't really want to have to manage and mind, and, and yeah. that we've got built tools and, and applications and processes for that. Jar, this has been fascinating. We only touched on two, so you two. have to come back on the main podcast we'll come back. to do yeah. the 12. Yeah. And let's get that. But for now, thank you very much for joining us to the podcast at Dot Local London. Thank you, Shane. Some great insights from Jer there. We'll certainly have to have him back on the podcast in future to dive deeper into those 12 patterns in more depth. Jer has a wealth of knowledge to share, and we really only got to touch the surface. So he'll certainly be back as a guest. Next up, I was joined by Peter Fitch, just prior to his own talk on how to get more out of aggregation. If you're not familiar with aggregations, aggregations allow you to process data records in a variety of ways, such as grouping data, sorting data into specific orders, or restructuring return documents, as well as filtering data with the query. In our conversation, Peter delves deeper into the possibilities and uses of MongoDB's aggregation framework, listing real-world examples and illustrating powerful operators that can cut down on custom code and reduce time for data insights, and thus, as ever, maximizing developer productivity. Let's take a listen to my conversation with Peter. So my name is Peter Fitch. I'm a solutions architect. I've worked for MongoDB for the last 18 months, and I've been having a great time learning a ton about document databases and the ways that we can host them and run them in the cloud. Um, I work with a lot of different developers with different use cases across many different industries, and it's been fascinating to see how a single technology can be used across so many different types of applications and workloads. Sure, and you're here with us at mongodb.local London. You have a talk later on, you haven't given it yet, so you're here before this. Tell us about what you're talking to the audience here today. So my talk is all about aggregation and how you can get more out of aggregation. Mm -hmm. The title is actually a bit of a pun. The out is dollar out. And in some of the printings of the agenda, the dollar and the out were separated. So I think that some people came along thinking they were going to make some money off the back of it. Ah, so, so you were basically trying to attract more of an audience by that misprint, perhaps. It wasn't my intention, but it was a happy accident, we'll say. So tell us about aggregation. It's one of the features of MongoDB that uh, you hear about, and it's incredibly powerful. Um, but every time I go to a talk where somebody's talking about aggregation, I'm bowled over by how powerful it is. And it was at the keynote earlier a little bit too. So tell us some more about aggregation and what it would mean if you're a MongoDB user, why would you be using aggregation? So aggregation to me is the key to unlocking all of those different workloads I was just talking about with MongoDB. The ways of modeling and making the most of the document model are the different stages and operators that work with all of the different types mm -hmm. that are available in MongoDB's JSON documents. So my talk in particular focuses on arrays and nested sub-documents. So this is something that wouldn't be possible with relational databases where you can't have that one-to-many relationship modeled in a single row. Mm -hmm. So using the full potential of the aggregation framework and using those array operators without changing the shape of the document and without unwinding to create new documents, you're able to use the full breadth of what we have available in the document model. So that's a little bit of what I'll be talking about later on. And how easy is it to create aggregations in MongoDB? 
this is something that we have a lot of help online with and a lot of tools for people who are unfamiliar or moving from a relational database. The best tool that I found starting out on my MongoDB journey was Compass because it has a step-by-step -step aggregation builder where you can build up your pipelines stage by stage. It has boilerplate code inserted for you. And so you're able to see what fields are available and what those options are whenever you're developing against MongoDB. It can even execute the code for you and it can write back into the database so you can store the results from your pipelines. And there are direct links out into the documentation for those instances where you want to stretch yourself a bit, improve your knowledge, or just check something's right, and it's all there within the tool. So it really helps in cutting down on custom code and giving me my insights into the data that I have stored on MongoDB. Absolutely. So a very common pattern that we see is people taking data out of whatever data store they have it in, duplicating it into another niche NoSQL database maybe, and find that they need to learn a whole new API, a whole new language to be able to work with that data, as well as worrying about keeping it in sync. So with aggregation, you have a single interface into all of these different use cases across your data, both on the operational side, but also for very powerful analytical queries. Okay, and what is a kind of a typical use case? What might I be trying to extract from my data to present in a different form that aggregations will help me? Mm -hmm. So a lot of developers are focused on building more intelligent applications that are able to give users information before they even ask for it. Mm -hmm. And typically those types of analytical queries would need to be broken out into another maybe relational database or data warehouse to be able to compute. You calculate those values using your operational data mm -hmm. and that's kept close to the application. Sure. So using aggregation, we can build those insights on the data as it sits within the operational data store and bring that back to users. So a really great example that I've come across in the last year was a company in the video game industry that wanted to provide high score online lists with profiles for the users so they could see their progress as they played the game. And rather than pushing that into a separate system, which they were doing, they're able to use the aggregation framework to be able to generate those profile views in aggregate across the event-based data. Nice real-world example. We all really want. We all know what it's like to be at the top of a of a table. Oh, absolutely, it's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. And ultimately, I suppose all of this is back down to maximizing developer productivity. Absolutely. And the developer data platform that MongoDB has. And here we're at Dot Local London showcasing that. Have you seen anything else in the couple of hours that you've been here, or talked to any customers, or seen anything that surprised you or interests you? Absolutely. I mean, I've been talking to people about our developer tools. I was on the booth this morning. Okay, always good to be customer facing. Plenty, plenty of opportunities to, to talk to the, the developers on the ground who are either experienced users or just new to MongoDB and trying to find out what's out there. And so the exciting thing there is we have the new university courses, a new stream which will lead people through the journey of learning about MongoDB, including aggregation, including a lot of different use cases as well. And so what's really exciting is the, the evolution of that. It's something that really helped me whenever I first joined and led to me being fascinated by aggregation. And that's going to help a lot of people make that same journey and make it easier. Excellent. Yeah, no, that was one of the key announcements that was particularly new 
to Dot Local London. We see, saw some things that we went back over that we had launched back in MongoDB World in New York back in June. But now, yes, this free, not even a sign up needed for the university platform. You can delve in there and get started without registering but obviously you get extra features if you're registered, which I think is great. But Peter, it's been brilliant to have you join us momentarily here, and you, uh, it's great to have a chat, and best of luck with your talk later. Thank you very much. Again, some great insights from Peter there, and all too short. So, like Jer, Peter's definitely on my list for a future full podcast episode. Thanks again for listening to this live mongodb.local episode. As ever, please do leave us a rating and even a review on whatever podcast platform you use. It really helps the podcast be more discoverable. And if, like Jer and Peter, you'd like to join us on the podcast, please do reach out via email at podcast at mongodb.com. So from me, Shane McAllister, and the rest of the podcast team, thank you for listening, and we do hope you'll join us on a future episode.